Uh, my name's Michelle, for those of you I haven't met, and it's great to be here together. The coming off that springboard off Momentum, off an amazing time together where we had our five services. And if you're a part of that, you would have experienced just how amazing it is when we come together in such a mass to be able to corporately live after the name of Jesus. And it was just an incredible Sunday where we were able to be able to see God working in and through us um, in that moment and to be able to praise Him and have a part. A good thing here at True North Church is that we love to party. We had a festival afterwards and it was great fun, great food, hang out in a Segway. Chantelle's looking good there on the Segway there at the end there. This is my girl. She's pretty cute. She'll pay for that later. But um, as we continue on in this service, that, you know, today will be that day where, again, will be an opportunity, if perhaps you never made it to last weekend, that if you have a card and you're wanting to put that in, that there will be an opportunity for that to happen later on in the service as we take up our offering together. This week, we're starting this series, 24, which is 24 hours in the life of Jesus. And like Ryan said, that Jesus does some momentous things, amazing things, that we are going to unpack it over four weeks, what he does in 24 hours, because there is so much there, we can hardly keep up with what he's doing. So over these next few weeks, we're going to unpack the life of Jesus um, for a 24-hour period. And today, we're going to start with a story where um, Jesus feeds the 5,000. And um, we see this incredible miracle take place in the midst of um, both himself and the disciples as we, as we enter that. But have you ever felt really exhausted and tired? Can I just see a show of hands first? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, in, good, we're in good company right here. Like, I just remember this time that I, we had a season where we were changing our name. If you're new to the place, we were formerly Whitford Church for many years. And we were changing our name and we had something like what we experienced on Sunday. Um, we all gathered together in Warwick Stadium where we had this amazing gathering of hundreds and hundreds of people gathering together for this service where we're going to reveal what our name would be. Hence True North. And this is what we're a part of today. And so we had this Sunday where that was taking place and we all gathered and afterwards was a celebration as we always like to do. But then we had from that Sunday of changing our name from True North, our campus at Whitford Church, was back in Mullaloo, was all, you know, labelled Whitford Church, everything represented Whitford Church. So we had these seven days to say we're going to transform this building from what was Whitford Church to now who we are as True North Church. And myself, putting my hand up in the staff meeting saying, that's great, I'll, I will take on the the managing of what needs to take place in regards to, you know, all the different pieces of changing and painting and doors and walls and putting out wood panels and all this sort of gear, I'll, I'll take that on. And so what that looked like for me in this week was Sunday, Sunday we had this all-in service, changed our name. I flew out, forgetting I was flying out to Melbourne for this leadership thing, flew out, midnight flight, didn't really, I can't sleep on the aeroplane. I wish I had that, that ability, but I don't. Got into Melbourne, had 24 hours there, flew back to Perth, jumped in. The guys had already started pulling up carpet that had been there for 30 plus years. Terrible, hard job. I believe Pastor Ryan was a part of that, him and Dean. They were pulling up all these green, terrible carpet. Um, tiles were getting ripped up. We had or nice orange tiles. They're no longer there. All this stuff that needed to start happening. So they're all in that process, getting it done. I fly in, fly from the airport over to church. 
and start getting on with all these things that need to start happening, painting and whatnot. And we had this scissor lift for a period of time and it was this job that we had was part of our small kids' small auditorium space was that we would paint the roof. And so we had this time period where we only had the scissor lift until. So the only option was to either do it all nighter and get that roof painted or to do it the next day, or it will probably take several days, without a scissor lift, which is going to be very difficult. It was difficult with the scissor lift, let alone without it. And so the Gretzingers, Chantel, myself, there was a whole bunch of us that, that stayed through, but we thought then, the few of us, that we thought it would be a good idea, let's just stay through the 24 hours and get this job done. We nailed it, we got it done, it was great. But then I had to keep going throughout the day. And so keep going, there was all sorts of toilet fun and urinals to pull out and all this stuff. And so we're getting that done and I was going through and the day was going okay until I got that point of 11pm the next day and I hit a wall and I hit this wall of exhaustion, I hit this wall of anything, what anyone's going to tell me right now isn't going to go down well and our media guy, he's, he's a great friend, he comes to me, he goes, Michelle, like we're painting heaps of doors, you know that glossy, terrible paint you have to use and everything gets into a big mess. And so he comes to me, he goes, oh, how about we paint just these two more doors? Well, it wasn't a good response. So me, being the um, supervisor in charge, I start crying. I'm crying. I'm like, no, we can't do two more doors. We're doing all this stuff. We're doing all this gear. And because I'd hit such an exhaustion, because I was so tired to that point, I never reacted in a way, normally I'd be like, yeah, let's bring it on, let's do it, let's take two more doors. But at this point, it wasn't good for anybody that I was there in that moment. Ryan ushers me out the door, he goes, you go sleep, I'll sort this out. And so as we get tired, as we get to the end of ourselves, that we see that we don't necessarily respond or react or look at things quite the same way as um, what we normally would. If we're feeling fresh, feeling ready, you'd normally take those two extra doors on and get it done, but not this case. Of which point, I think every now and then that story still comes up about me crying and that, but it's okay. I'm glad I can bring a bit of laughter to people. So anyhow, as we look at this story, as we look at Jesus preparing this amazing miracle that's going to take place, we um, see this story unfold of, you know, what is our reaction when we're tired? And what is the disciples' reaction of when they're tired in this story? And we can maybe identify with that. I do anyhow. And we pick it up in Mark 6, verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. And now a little bit of context here as to what we're looking at. The disciples have at this point, they've been off, they've been ministering, they've been off preaching the gospel, doing all this amazing stuff without Jesus. So they've been spread out across the place doing their thing and they come back now to this place. And they're tired, they're exhausted, they don't have a plane ride that gives them first class, nor do we. But um, they, they've not had any plane ride, they've walked in, they're, they're tired, they're exhausted, they're hungry. So they come to this place and we see that Jesus identifies that he needs to provide something for them. 
that he over here identifies that they are exhausted and tired and they just need a little bit of time to themselves, a time to recover, a time to refuel, a time to get away from the crowd and all the crowds that they've seen, all the things that they have seen, and they need to draw away with him and have some food. It's very helpful also. So they, they identify this, and Jesus identifies that in this moment that he can see where they're at. And it is very crucial for us as Christians to know that the important part of um, our journey and our faith is that, you know, for us as a church, as we passionately pursue the presence of God, it's in those drawing away moments, it's in those drawing away times that where God refreshes, refuels us. So that is quite an important part and a a part that should be a rhythm in our own lives on a day-to-day basis that we should have those times to draw away with him and he provides rest, he provides renewal, he provides our soul to be just full of his presence and to be able to go about what he's calling us to. But yet, over here, we see in this story that as Jesus identifies that with him, he's saying, come, come with me by yourselves. Come away from this crowd that is drawing, drawing from you all the time and let's come and let's gather together. Let's um, share a meal together. Let's hang out. It's going to be great. And so Jesus says this to them. But then next minute, <laughs> then we pick it up in 33. But many who saw them leaving recognised them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. So over here we see that, you know, they've jumped in that boat. If you've ever seen a picture or been to see the Sea of Galilee, it is not a very big sea and you can see the other side. And so the disciples and Jesus, they've jumped in this boat. They're like, this is going to be great. This is going to be a great time together. We're going to have some time. We're going to do our fist pumps, tell about all the highlights and all the things that we've seen God doing. So they're in this boat and they're with Jesus and they're preparing for this plan to just escape from the crowds. And they see and they land on the other side and what they have seen here, like the people have seen them because you can see right across the Sea of Galilee, They've seen where they're heading and they have gone in front of them and met them on the other side. So at this time when they're jumping out of this boat, they're faced with, and we see two different, very different reactions here, when they're faced with yet another crowd in need and in needing something of them. And we see Jesus' reaction here is that when he lands, he sees this crowd and he has compassion on them. He has compassion. He sees that actually he can provide for a greater cause than where he's at. At this point, Jesus also has been ministering. He is tired. You know, he's had word that John the Baptist has died. He's, he's flew with grief. But yet when he lands on the shore, when he sees the crowd, he doesn't see what he needs. At this point, he's seeing actually what do these people need. They are, they, they need, they, he has compassion for them. He sees that they are sheep without a shepherd. And he starts drawing them in. He starts teaching. He starts giving and providing for them what he, what he can do in that space. And then we have the opposite. We have the disciples. And they land 
They're exhausted. They are tired. They've been ministering. They've been giving off themselves. And it's a very real and felt need that, you know, when we're at our end of ourselves, that we are tired and we can just see the things that we need to, to, need to have for ourselves to be able to go on. And so they are looking at this internal, but no, Jesus, you said we're going we're gonna to go away from the crowds. You said that we're going to have rest. You said that, you know, this is our time to be together to, in solitude, to be able to eat, to be able to fuel up, refuel and get going. And they're solely looking at themselves as opposed to actually what's in front of them. They're solely looking at this in the perspective of actually what do I need as opposed to what is the greater cause in front of me. And so we have these very different contrasting views as they land on the shores of Sea of Galilee of a crowd in front of them again. What can Jesus' response is? He provides for that greater cause, a cause that is greater than himself, a cause that is, um, he sees a need and he meets it. And then we see the disciples who's done amazing work. And their, their reflection, their view is actually, what do I need? What do I need in this moment? You said, Jesus, you promised me that we're going on solitude. This is what I need right now. And for ourselves, we can, we can get to that point of, you know, just being at the end of ourselves, being tired, being exhausted, of doing good, of doing great things. And we get to that point that maybe our view and our outlook on what we get to see and experience and the things that are in front of us can challenge us to the core as to what might be our response. What might be our response when we are tired, exhausted, and we see a need right in front of us? Will we respond like Jesus would and see the need and fill it? Or do we respond out of actually what can I do and what do I need and I'm not sure if I can fill this need? And as we track with these 24 hours of Jesus, you know, his plan was, and he recognised that and saw that in the disciples, that they needed rest, that they needed something. And so he had planned, he's like, get in the boat, they're in the boat, they're getting that, they're on their way to the other side. But then as he goes to the other side, his plans change. He is faced with something that is greater than what he has planned. And he is able then in that space to be able to tweak his plans, to be able to do and to be able to be invited into this opportunity that God puts in front of him to meet the need of these people. And I'm not sure if you're a, a diary person, a person that, you know, blocks out. I try, I try, I get very distracted. Um, but this person that, Fiona would be very good in this space, that, um, you know, blocks out time and you're going to do this and you're going to do that and this is how my days go. And it's great and it's very ordered and it's very structured and it's very good for us. I need to learn this trait. But what, what we also need to be prepared for is that when God interrupts us, are we willing to respond? Are we willing to say, actually, I had a plan and my plan was to rest with you, Jesus. Very good, great plan. To draw away, to be able to get renewal from you, to be able to hear the purposes of what you're speaking to me. Great plan. And yet faced with an opportunity that God invites us into, that we see here there was an opportunity to be able to minister to this crowd of 5,000. Are we willing to unrattle our plans and our schedules and our time to be able to be available for what God calls us to, to be available to hear what he is saying to us, to be able to see what he is saying to us. Jesus was just as weary as those disciples, yet his response was, I see that need. I see this opportunity. 
to be about not my work, but what God's doing in our lives. And he takes part of that bigger story. In verse 37, but he answered, you give them something to eat, they said to him. That would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them. Now over here, you can hear, have you ever heard of hangry? Hangry, have you heard of this? When you're hungry and you're tired and you start getting a little bit hangry. I can feel the tone here. We may have one child in our family who's a little like this, let me tell you. There was an occasion where we were driving. <laughs> I, I called her out. Chantel, let's face it. Uh, I called her out in the, in the first service. I was trying to be real discreet, but un, it just unraveled. Um, but we were driving, Ben and I and Chantel, down. And it was only going to be like a five-minute drive. But she was at this point of like, enough's enough. And she starts crying. I'm like, what's the matter? I'm really hungry. And I'm like, oh, okay. I might have been a slow little hungry jacks run. I don't, can't remember what it was. We, we got something for her. She was all good again. But you hear here that the disciples had got that tone. It's like, you know, Jesus, this response to him is like, you know, this is going to take more than half a year's wage. This is ridiculous. We've got nothing here. Send the people off. Let them sort themselves out. Let them do what they need to do. Send them now so they've got time to do it and feed themselves. And we see that this tone of the, um, the disciples are like, you know, we've had enough. We're exhausted. We've got nothing. We can't see how we're going to fill this need. Send them away. Let them sort themselves out. We were going to refuel, remember Jesus. We were going to have this time together. And it scares me as I've been reading this, and I think as you're preaching, preparing for these messages over the week, that how often maybe in my life that I haven't seen the opportunity that God's put in front of me because I've been too busy, because I've been preoccupied, because I've been looking at myself and what I need. Rather than, you know, there's possible opportunities that God calls us to, to partner with, a greater cause other than what I might need or see that he puts in front of us. And that question to, that I've been asking myself, and if we ask ourselves, to what degree do we live for myself? And to what degree do we live for the purposes of God? That measure of actually how much am I living for myself and how much am I prepared to live for the purposes of God? Is it greater than what I'm living for myself? Or how does that measure look in our lives? He uses to provide through me and through you. He chooses us to be a part of that provision to people. And we see this um, being represented in our lives and that as God chooses his people, you and me, that he provides through us to be able to see these amazing miracles, these amazing things happen in the midst of what we're doing in our everyday. And we see this struggle of the disciples working out this calculation on how possibly can they, how possibly can they feed these 5,000 people? 
They don't have enough money. It's going to take a year's wage. There's nothing even around the place. It's ridiculous in the thought on actually how on earth can that possibly happen. It's so extreme a thought that it just is no potential for that. However, they never took into calculation the Jesus factor. They never took in calculation that right beside them is a God of miracles. They didn't take into consideration that the equation that Jesus is the one that provides all our needs, that Jesus is the one that is able to do measurably more than what we could ever hope or ask for. That they are standing there and they're calculating and they're working it out and they're doing it all as opposed to what actually what they could do. But as we look at this and we, we see that calculation that, you know, what we see is that Jesus actually looks up to heaven. He looks up to heaven, he breaks the bread and he sees who God is. It's not what actually is in his hand, but actually who God is. And Jesus reminds us that, you know, as we are faced with different situations and opportunities that may be in front of us, that it is not us that necessarily always need to do that on our own. There is a part we play in that. There is a bit that we will bring to it. But in fact, as God brings those needs in front of us, that often, as he shows it to us, that he feels that need. That he feels that need. We bring our bit. And then he multiplies it, he, he blesses that, and he brings and fulfills the need for us. Jesus at this stage, and this is probably just my thinking, could have pushed the disciples aside and say, okay, I've got this, guys. You guys are just not thinking the way we, ha- we ought to be thinking in this place. But yet he says, I'm going to provide through you. And he starts directing them Start gathering the 50s, start gathering the 100s, put them on the green grass. And at this stage, the disciples' reputation's at hand, right? They, could be, they don't know where this miracle's coming from. They don't know how it's going to happen. But yet they start activating their faith and start positioning these people in a way that they're going to prepare to receive bread and fish abundantly. That they're preparing them and preparing and activating their faith. And it takes a risk. And they've got their, their own lives. That are like, they're putting their life on the line here as in, with reputation-wise to be able to say, actually... Yeah, we can see this happening. And so now that's changing where Jesus directs them to start putting these 50s and 100s in place, prepared, ready to receive what God is about to do. And this faith has been activated and has been seen. So there's this change from what they thought they could do as as opposed to now actually activating the faith to see what God can do in this situation. And they start putting those people in places and we start seeing that, you know, these disciples, they look down here. They look at what they had. Jesus says, go off. They didn't even see actually the five and the two. They just said, they just said, we can't do this. We're calculating how are we going to buy this? How are we going to get all this bread? How are we even going to get it here? But Jesus says, go off and see what you've got. Go off and see and come back and tell me what you've got. They come back with five loaves and two fishes. But yet Jesus looks up to heaven. He blesses what they bring. And God multiplies that in such an abundant way. So often for us that, you know, we can, we can come to the table and we can come to even sitting in this crowd today and we look at ourselves and we're like, God, I have nothing. And I hear Jesus saying, just go off and see what you've got. Go off and see what you've got and come back and bring it. 
You know, there's so much that we hold in our hands that we don't even get to an opportunity to see or recognise within ourselves. That God says, you know, bring that little and I'll bless it and I'll multiply it. The different situations we face, the different things that we, we are challenged with. Go off and see what you've got and bring it. Bring it before me and in that the wholeness of um, being able to give that to Jesus, that he will be able to bless it and multiply that. In Mark 6, 42, it says, They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. I'd love to invite the band up. That as we trail back to the start of the story, with the disciples in a position of they, are, they have nothing to offer, they haven't got anything, they can't even comprehend or understand Actually, how can God move in this? And we see at the end of this story where God has fed 5,000 and these 12 disciples, each one of them going off with a basket full of bread and fish that he provides in abundance. Nothing that they could ever think or imagine in that story. But they, they go away with that. And I wonder how they would have felt had they walked away and settled with, uh, we're okay, we're just going for a rest. We're going to hang out in the boat. We're going to keep our five loaves. We're going to keep our two fish. And we're going to stay in this spot. But they didn't. They chose to step into the opportunity that God had for them. And they came and they brought what they had. And they gave it to Jesus. And Jesus puts it up to heaven. And God blesses it in abundance. He, he provides in abundance for us. He provides in a way that we can't even hope or imagine. That as we, we roll, uh, wrap up this service, that, you know, as we're thinking of that story, you know, the little that you have and the little maybe what God has placed in your hand and my hand is all He asks for. He doesn't ask for the whole, like for you have, have it all together or have a huge amount. But he just says that for each one of us, I want to do something amazing in and through your little. I want to wow you with what you've got because he is a God that is able to do that. That he has a greater cause for each one of us to be a part of. That for each one, we bring our little gift and he does something amazing with that. And as we wrap up, there's a story I had that um, last year, again, a renovation project. Um, <laughs> don't know why I'm in charge of all these renovation projects, but anyhow. Um, we had the clothing shop and I was, I was overseeing the clothing shop at, um, during this time. And we were in the process of changing the shop name and I was transitioning out. So we thought it was a great idea to renovate then. And... Um, we were preparing to do that and the brick walls in the clothing shop at Malalu are they're brick. There is no um, what do they call that? Jip rock stuff. Yep, good pull. There isn't any of that. So the bricks are porous and if you've ever had to paint bricks, it just keeps seeping and just drawing in all this paint. And so it's just it's not like you, know, you slap some paint on a wall. It's very different. And I was looking at the walls and I was looking at what work needed to be done and we were stripping everything out, we were changing floors and we were painting walls and stripping out all the racks and putting new racks on and all of this and it was a long weekend 
And I got to this point where I had no friends at this point helping along this project. They had all sort of gone away for the weekend, I think. And I was at this point where I'm like, what am I going to do? The place was like covered in like painting sheets and the, it was all ready to be painted. But I had no friends to paint it. And so I was going up to my office and coming back down to that clothing shop. And I must, and I was chatting with the ladies in the shop and we're trying to make a plan, but it really wasn't coming together. And, and I did this about honestly four times within the hour. I was like, and then I'd go down, I'd shake my head. I'm like, I don't know what we're going to do. This is a hot mess. It's like everything's stripped. You can't even like just put things to back as it was and say, oh yeah, we'll just resume and go on. It wasn't even at that stage. So... I'd gone back up for probably the fifth time at this stage. And one of the girls from the shop came up about five minutes later and she actually went to Fiona and said, oh, we've got a painter that's just walked in. Got a painter that's just walked in. Do you want to come and talk to them? I'm like, yes, I do. I ran down as quick as I could and over to that shop. And so I was chatting with them and like any other church budget, we had no money to pay for a painter. So I'm chatting with him and he was actually a Christian and been in another church and him and his two sons do some painting work together. And um, But they had the time of their, their work was just pretty slow. Nothing really was happening. And he goes, oh, I can come and paint. I'm like, what? And so, and I'm like, yeah, you understand we've got no money. There's nothing here, but you know, and he did. And he and the boys, they came along, they painted, they stripped, they made like they did um, walls and mended walls and did all this stuff. And I look at that and I still remember to this day that, you know, where there was no way that God provided where there was no way, where we couldn't even hope to imagine this job getting done. That honestly, we have not seen Sean the painter again. Like it was two weeks we saw him and then he vanished. I'm like, here's Sean the angel to me. Um, but all that to say that for your lives, for my lives, that we see the miracle of God in here and how He provides how He provides for a greater cause, how He provides in and through us, how He provides for our every need. And reminded of that story that in that moment, there was no way, but God made a way. There was no provision, but God provided. That as we wrap up today, I'd love for us to stand and I'd love to pray for us that, you know, that God is calling us to greater things. God is calling this army of True North Church to greater things. And He, he chooses to use both you and me in this. And I'd love to ask that, you know, perhaps you're in this season of, God, you're saying to God, use me. I want to be used by you. I may have nothing. I may not even see anything in me. I've got to go away and find actually what little I have in my hand. But use me. I'm prepared to be used by you. I'd love for you to put your hand out. We're going to just hold your hands out. We're going to pray. That you know that as we saw the two, two fish and the five loaves of bread, that God fed 5,000. That was only 5,000 men that was counted on that. There was more than that. And after, there was basketfuls, bread and fish. That today, as we stand before you, God, you see every hand open wide to you, Lord. And God, I pray that you see what's in our hands. You see what we have got, Lord. And we present that to You, Lord, and we pray that, Jesus, that You would provide a way. That, Lord, that You would use us for a greater cause other than ourselves. 
that Jesus, that You would provide the need, that You would open our eyes, that we would see You at work in and through our lives. That Heavenly Father, we pray that Your Holy Spirit would come in a greater measure. That Lord, that we would see You at work in us, that You would strengthen us as a people, as an army of God, Lord, Lord, that we would see Your Kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Heavenly Father, we pray that use us, we ask, for every hand open wide, Lord. We are saying, use us. Holy Spirit, we pray that we would have story after story, miracle story after miracle story, Lord, of You providing in so many crazy different ways in and through this body of believers who put their faith and trust and risk it all for You, Jesus. May we dare to dream big dreams, Lord. May we dare to see You at work, Lord, where there is no other way. Jesus, we pray. Amen.